I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is author, life coach, and model, Rosie Mercado. Her new book is The Girl with the Self-Esteem Issues, a memoir. Those who give the best advice are the ones who've lived life the hardest, those who have not only survived but thrived after overcoming adversity. Rosie Mercado's journey of losing 240 pounds as a single mother of four has been widely covered in the media, and her amazing story of embracing authentic beauty against all odds has resonated with hundreds of thousands of English and Spanish-speaking women worldwide. She shares the impossibly true story of her fight to realize her dreams in an inspirational guide filled with hard-earned, heartfelt advice for all women striving for independence. Her story has been featured in Cosmopolitan, Tiempo, Daily Mail, and the New York Post, and she's been recognized as one of People Magazine's top 25 most powerful Latinas. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on, Rosie. Thank you so much, Kevin. I really appreciate it. So looking forward to chatting with you. Your voice is so soothing. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you. I'm like, listening to your voice, it's so soothing. <laughs> well, good. It's meant to be, so that's good. I'm glad. It, um, well, the first question, well, we've got a lot to talk about, right? The first thing is, I mean, yeah. you have quite a story, right? I mean, this is an amazing story. And I, as I'm reading it, I'm thinking, can we go back to when you were 19 years old? And you just had a baby, and the father of your baby walks out on you with no warning. Um, yeah. A, yeah. Yeah, that, I think that, that definitely will do a number on you, especially not having experience. And, I don't, you know, not having the experience, but also culturally the way that I was raised is, you know, I, I, saw, I saw it with my parents, and it, that's what I wanted. I wanted what they had. My parents had, you know, have been married for you know, so many years, over 40 years now. But back then, you know, they, they worked together, had a business, family time, contribution, church. It was just a really overall healthy, you know, a healthy relationship to see growing up and a powerful dynamic. And I that was an inspiration for me. It's like, I wanted that. So to be 19 and and having my, my baby and wanting that and inspiring to be exactly like my parents and not getting that and getting my heart broken. Um, and just, I think the, the worst part is being a new parent, being a new mom, not having all the experience because nobody tells you how to raise a kid. Like, you know, I'm there, I'm young, I'm inexperienced. And on top of it, I'm dealing with my emotional state, with my thoughts, uh, my loneliness, and, and at the same time, my depression, because I just had a baby. I birthed the baby on, on my own, thankful that my, my dad has always been there. But then my, my you know, my partner's MIA. He's gone. He's disappeared. Don't know what happened. Just got up, left. And that really leaves a scar on your heart, on your emotions. And as a parent, because in your mind, you're thinking, you know, coming out of the hospital and seeing, you know, a husband and wife carrying out their baby together. And here I am, thankful that my dad's pushing me out, but... For me, it was really heartbreaking to not have that person with me, and here I am going home alone with my daughter, not knowing what to do. She, she's so tiny, not knowing what to do, and then here I am alone. So that and I'm thinking really, as I'm reading your was, story, like Rosie, like you, you're, you're, as you just described your parents, I mean, here are these parents who now have been together 40 years, loving parents, have taken care of you and nurtured you, and... Your story is unique because then all of a sudden, um, 
and and also you write about your father teaching you entrepreneurial skills and it, it sounds like this yeah. sort of wonderful or very nurturing situation how do you get uh, let's how do you get into a situation where you are 19 having a baby being on your own you know, you know like I, I, it really yeah. That, you know, I think, you know, I think sometimes people are really quick to point the finger that something had to have gone wrong with the way that my parents, parents, you know, parented me the way that they taught me. So sometimes I get those reactions, but it had nothing to do. It had nothing. I got to take personal responsibility. It had nothing to do. I had very, very loving parents. I had, uh, you know, a powerful father at the time, you know, sometimes he would listen to so much. He'd invest into self-improvement and books and tapes back then that it would it would really get under my skin. It's like I, I was rebellious to that. Don't, I don't want to hear about it. don't want to talk about it. And I had very strict parents. I, wasn't a, I didn't have a lot of experience dating because I wasn't allowed to date. Um, I had very, very few boyfriends. I mean, relationships. I didn't get my first kiss until I was almost 17 years old. And and th- before that, I just wasn't allowed to date. I, I was very insecure with my body because I had a lot of bullying that I dealt with. And I just always felt that I didn't fit in, whether it was in school. You know, thankfully, my parents taught me the entrepreneurial side and they, they empowered me to really find my passion. So I had that. That, was, that for me was powerful because I was able to get into radio and discover my voice little by little and kind of find my place. But when it came to school, I just completely felt alone, rejected. I didn't feel like I fit in. And I always saw all these beautiful girls that were so tiny and they would, you know, they, to me, they were beautiful, but I just, size wise, I've always been a bigger girl, you know, in high school was a size 14, 16. And just, I was in uniform and I, I always got called, you know, fat and just these horrible names because of the size of my hips. So I think that plays a role on your self-esteem. So now when you come into a, your first relationship, like I did, my decisions weren't based off of inspiration. They weren't based off of any experience. They were just based off of, I want to be loved. This person accepts me and shows me a little bit of a love. This is where I want to be. And you start tolerating so many things in relationships that could be toxic um, that don't serve you in any way because you, the fear of the unknown, the fear of rejection, the fear of criticism, or the fear of just not being loved and not having that feeling ever again. Because in my mind, that was it. Like, this was going to be the man for the rest of my life. We were going to build a business. We were going to raise a family. And it didn't turn out that way. So, I didn't pay attention to a lot of the red flags, and it was a learning process for me. It was really about making decisions based off of my low self-esteem. Low self-esteem, and then go, I want to go back to that because obviously this journey of losing 240 pounds, and I think you got up to 400 pounds at one point. Um, 420 you know, pounds, yeah. 420 pounds, and I'm looking at the your picture uh, on your book and uh, the photograph, and I mean, you're gorgeous, <laughs> Outwardly, Thank you. you know, it, yeah, I mean, body-wise, face-wise, you know, all of it. So how did that happen? I mean, how, I, I understand how that's connected to feelings of low self-esteem, but take us through that because I think so many people suffer, so many women particularly, but men too. I mean, we are a society where, yeah. you know, three, at least half the people in the United States or more are significantly overweight or obese. Obese, yeah. 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 Um, I, I think, you know, it's, it's uh, it, people don't understand. And I got criticized for eating so much or that, you know, it was just that I constantly ate, constantly ate. And what it comes down to, it's not just about eating. I understand that I got to a point where I was obese. And, you know, my journey from my before and after, 
my before is as important as my after. It's the journey in between that I'm grateful for. And how does, you know, a person get to 420 pounds? Everybody's like, well, you should just get on a diet, stop eating, have self-control. It goes deeper than that. It really is about your emotional scars, the spiritual scars, everything, the psychological scars that we carry in, in inside that nobody sees. And for me, it was about being so lonely that I didn't want to go out and I didn't know how to deal with my emotions in a healthy way. I didn't know what to do with my depression. I didn't know what to do with my anxiety and it led me to eat. Every, and, I, and I had to understand as I got older that triggers for me lead me to eating, overeating. Um, if there's a sense that you get, and I know that if someone's going through this, they'll understand that you're going through t- tremendous anxiety, loneliness, um, you feel rejected. You go to food, and it's like you eat, and there's this automatic like, <sighs> like there's just this, you, you, you just, it just really it calms you down. And then half an hour later, you go through the guilt. Why did I do that? You start beating yourself up. This horrible roller coaster that you go through. Um, you go, you you start thinking like, why did I do that? And, and not understanding that you're trying to figure a way to deal with these emotions. So what happens is I started getting bigger and bigger and heavier and heavier because I just, I didn't, I didn't have an outlet of how to deal with my emotions. I didn't have anybody that I could really talk to. I was ashamed to say a lot of things that were going on in my life. Um, I felt that if I said anything, if I was vulnerable enough to say anything, number one, I was going to get rejected, criticized, put down, um, kind of like, hey, I got myself into this mess, now I have to deal with it. And being a Latina, being a woman, just being a woman in itself, I, you know, I, I, I thought, like, I have to be strong all the time. I have to deal with this. And the reality is that I wasn't. And I, I thought that it was not okay to share that. And I took out my emotions and food. So I started gaining a lot of weight. And as I gained more weight, I started staying home, um, not sitting in a car, not being able to go walking as much. The pain in my body was tremendous. I profusely sweating. I'd get up for five, 10 minutes and profusely start sweating. Um, the anxiety increased. The more I gained weight, the more anxiety I had, uh, the more depression I started falling into because now it wasn't just about a failed relationship or a learning lesson. At that time, I just thought, this person doesn't love me. Why did he do that to me? It was taking responsibility for someone else's rejection, um, for someone else who left me and trying to figure out why. What did I do? Am I not lovable? Am I not worthy enough? And then going to food and then gaining the weight and looking myself in the mirror and not liking the way that I felt. It wasn't about the right, way so that I So not liking the way, the way you felt and you're 400 pounds. Four, let's take it to the, you know, yeah. when you, 410 or 420 pounds. Four what 20, happened? 420. 420 when pounds. I, what, what? Yeah, 420 did, is yeah. so, so people, so as, as, as I got older, and this is progressively through the next 10 years, as I got older, um, I went through rock bottom with my last relationship. I got married and divorced you know, three times. And the third time that was like, that was it. Like I hit rock bottom. I, I, I got up to 420 pounds. I would go up, I would go down, hit 420 pounds, but not only the 420 pounds, the verbal abuse, the physical abuse, the emotional abuse. And I knew in my heart that if I stayed in that relationship, I would probably end up dying of a heart attack. I just, there was just this knowing that if I stayed there and I was scared. Like when I'm telling you I was scared, I was scared. And somehow I, I gained the strength to be able to let that relationship go. Like I was just rock bottom. There was no, you know, that was it for me. I let that relationship go. 
And as soon as I started to acknowledge that I wasn't happy, that this wasn't a lifestyle, boom, I'm hit with not only getting sick with a cyst in my brain, but on top of it, as I'm going after, you know, trying to find myself and trying to find my passions and my purpose, um, the constant rejection, criticism, you know, really made me look inward and pay attention, ask quality questions. Like I really started educating myself and, and, and going, where is this all coming from? Am I really happy? Who am I? What makes me happy? So it really forced me to look inward, look inward in those dark places that sometimes we don't want to look at. So at that point you took control over your life, your emotions, and that propelled you. I took you. somewhat control. I took yeah. somewhat control because after, after that, you know, I, I had this big moment, this aha moment that I talk about, Going on a plane, I finally found what my passion was, and here I am. You know, I got, you know, 420, get down to 380. Yes, it's a big win. Like, okay, I'm, I'm doing something. I'm feeling better. And I get on a plane going to New York, and here I am on a, on a reality show, you know, going towards the dreams, now knocking on doors to become a plus-size model and kind of finding my way. And so excited, get at the airport in Vegas, going to New York, and as I'm standing in the line, Someone runs up to me, a gentleman runs up to me very loudly and says, you're not going to fit in one seat, you need to purchase a second seat. And he did that in front of everybody. Not only was I embarrassed, I just, I, it was just one of those moments of shock because here I am so excited and I was just torn to pieces because I see to my left that there's these incredible gorgeous men, these, these guys that came to Vegas to party, but nonetheless, they were gorgeous, they were standing there and they're like, damn, you know, the, the negative words that were coming out of their mouth just totally body shamed me. And then you see other people that were just in shock on how the man came and told me, like, you need to buy a second seat. Like, it was just loud. It was rude. It was obnoxious. And some people were laughing at me, others in shock. Others could see, you know, what my emotional state changed. And I literally started crying, got quiet, got my second ticket. And to make it worse, I get on the plane. And they sit me at the front. They give me a seat extender for my seatbelt in front of everybody. It wasn't like in front of me, like, here, you're too big to fit in one seat. Here's a seat extender to make it worse. And then on top of it, they place a sign on the second seat, what was left of it. And the second seat seat taken. So here's everybody walking into the airplane as they're boarding. And here I am sitting there with the seat extender, a sign next to me that the seat is taken, crying. I had several hours to New York to think about if this was a lifestyle that I really wanted to keep going and what sacrifices, you know, what price was I paying for that? And was I really happy? And that was the moment that was, that was the worst moment that I had gone through when it came to body shaming. And it was my aha moment when it came to my inner transformation. Yeah, well, t- total public humiliation. I mean, it's sort of, right. Yeah. I mean, it could, you, yeah. Yeah. And that was the turning yeah, de- point. Yeah, definitely total public humili- uh, humiliation. And But you know what? I, I have to walk with a sense of gratitude that it took that moment for me to really sit with myself, get uncomfortable, and ask the questions, Rosie, are you happy? Are you willing to sacrifice, you know, everything when it comes to stay this way? Is this what equals happiness for you, for you and for the rest of the life? What is the price that your kids are paying? What is the price that you're paying right now? And I really had to really think, and the answer was, was I completely happy? No. Could I, you know, did, did I have to do things differently? Yes. And it came down to longevity and vitality when it came to, to my mind, body, and soul. 
having the energy to do the things that I wanted, simple as riding a bike, fitting in a car, just those things, because I didn't fit in every car. Um, there was very few vehicles that I fit in. Um, not worrying about breaking a chair, um, being able to spend quality time with my kids without my hips hurting or my back hurting, not having to hire a nanny to spend quality time with my kids because I couldn't keep up with them. And then, you know, the quality of that, I really was, I was really holding myself back because of my weight because I couldn't, I couldn't live quality life. That That's not quality life. And it wasn't about being a certain size or dropping down to a size zero because a lot of people question, I'm never going to be a size zero and there's nothing wrong with a size zero. But for my body, to, I, that's just not who I'm going to be. That's not the way my body is wired. So for me, it was really transforming and finding what my healthy and happy place was. And, 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 can, and helping us or helping learn. other people, which you do, obviously being on the show and being on the radio and writing a book, but that's always an issue, you know, that you, you hear about. I mean, plus size women don't body shame me, but yet you want to put it in yeah. also the context of health, which you're starting to do. So can yeah. we talk about that? How how do you do that to, oh to tell some? Yeah. Catherine, oh my God, that is such an incredible question. Thank you for asking that because you know what? <laughs> It's damn if you do, damn if you don't. Let me tell you, when I was 420 pounds, knocking on doors, going after my dream, I was way too fat. And I understand that. Like, I understand that I was obese. And I had to do something. Okay, here I go through my transformation. Not for anybody else, but for me. So I got criticized that because I wanted to become a plus-size model, I lost all the weight. That was not my story. That's your story that you're creating, but that was not my story. My story goes viral. Fat girl loses weight and becomes, you know, a, a, a popular plus-size model. That was the headlines that went around worldwide. London, Japan, like, that was, and I'm just looking at that, I'm like, that's not the truth of my story. So people are reading into that and thinking that that was my truth. Then I dropped down, and some people would, and I dropped down to 175 pounds. And let me tell you why this number is important. Because at 175 pounds, I was extremely still curvy. And people would look at me, wow, you're still fat. You need to keep losing weight. I lost the weight. And then when I did lose the weight, oh, you sold out to Hollywood. You just lost the weight because, you know, everybody was pressuring you too. And it wasn't about that. And then I gained, I gained 15 pounds. Oh, there she goes again. She's gaining weight, the constant criticism. And then my story ends up on TMZ. And, you know, I, this, this was one of those stories that I really had to find my voice and find what this meant to me. Someone told me to go j- jump off a bridge and kill myself because I had lost weight. And I, here I am. I'm like, hold on. First of all, I'm too fat to go after my dreams. And I'm still too fat when I drop the weight. And then I did everything for the wrong reasons. Um, and I was just constantly criticized throughout my journey. And that really woke me up to the point in my life where, number one, I had to find that my voice was powerful. Who am I? What do I stand for? What are my values? And why did I do this? The next thing is people will always, always find something to criticize about you. There's always something. And I had to learn that that was not a reflection of my spirit. It was a reflection of their spirit. Something in my story and my actions triggered something in them that they didn't like. And that had nothing to do with me. So that was none of my business. I could not take it personally. I had to develop not only thick skin, but gratitude and come from a place of dropping seeds of love. And then to the next point is that... The number on the scale changes from the moment you rise. If you get on the scale at midday, it changes. At the end of the day, it changes. That number is a roller coaster ride. My happiness did not depend off of that number. So that scale is out. Like I, I just got sick and tired. I had to really transform my thinking into I'm living a healthy life. There's going to be moments that I gain weight. There's going to be moments that I drop weight. 
the most important thing is my mental health, that I'm in a place that I'm living a lifestyle of, you know, I'm walking, I'm taking care, not to be in a place where I'm just, I want to please everybody. No, this is just about me being happy, me being peaceful, me having the energy and the longevity and the vitality to go after my dreams and live with purpose and to mirror to my kids the importance of taking care of yourself. Self-care is a priority. It's not a luxury. It is a priority because I cannot get from a place where my, ca- uh, my cup is half full. My cup has to be completely full to be able to give the best to my kids um, because if it's empty, I have nothing to give and I will be exhausted, drained, energetically upset and unhappy. Yeah. And talking about your kids and your family and healthy eating, uh, tell us about, I mean, obviously you're a great example. Fantastic. Yeah, it was fantastic, Catherine. It was such a great moment. It was a domino effect. Um, everybody in my family has been overweight. That's just the reality of of our genetics. That's that's you know, and and some is genetics, and some is personal responsibility. It's a combination of both. And understanding that, um, really placing that, per, taking that personal responsibility of saying, I'm going to take back the power. I'm not going to give it up to food. I'm going to take back the power and create a lifestyle. Not a diet, a lifestyle. And the, you know, my family seeing the transformation, the things and how my attitude changed and how, you know, I really found out that me gaining so much weight, um, and, and going to food was, was really a protection, a layer, a layer of protection as we're gaining weight. It's a layer of protection that that's how I, you know, it's, it's a way of keeping people away. It's a way of dealing with my negative emotions. And I really found that it was so inspiring to really learn about my, what I was capable about and also how just happier I felt when I ate the right foods and I exercised. There was just this energy. I felt a lot happier. I felt that stress that would really like bring me down. There was just moments that it no longer mattered. The way that I made decisions where it was based off inspiration rather than desperation. I was really able to have the energy to keep going throughout the day. And I think the best thing is that the relationships with my kids just became better. And the relationship with my family, to empower them and be with them throughout their weight loss process in the moment that first they were worried about my my process, and then they're like, whatever you're doing, I want to do. And now I, you I had a gastric feel better. And just to feel them. You had a gastric sleeve operation? Yes, I had the gastric sleeve in Las Vegas. Yeah. So how did you decide Indiana. to do that? Or yeah, girl, I was just sick and tired. I was sick and tired of of trying everything. Like I have to get this under control, and I just you know I'm very honest. Bariatric surgery is not something that you just do and miraculously like you just drop the weight and then it's gone forever and and you're ha- happy ever after. Like because I got a lot of criticism for getting bariatric surgery, people think that, okay, you took the easy way out. By no means is bariatric surgery the easy way. Number one, you're going under the knife. You don't know what's going to happen. That's number one. Number two, once you wake up, there is a process that you must follow of really training your mind. Like, I can't eat as much. The sensation of being full for the first time, mind-blowing, because I had never felt full. Um, I, I just don't remember the last time that I felt full. Then really training myself that I, this, that I had to work out, that I had to learn how to eat again, um, and that my body was really going through a transformation, not just physically, but psychologically. Oh, my goodness, to see the portions that I was eating um, to the portions that I was eating before, I was like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I was eating like that. Like, it was a wake-up call. And to be there for my family of them taking the decision of, you know what, we've tried everything. This is going to be a tool and being able to sit with them. This is a tool. 
you can gain the weight back. You really, this becomes a lifestyle. You really have to educate yourself and be present every single moment. And it was a domino effect. Each and every single one, my, my, you know, my family just completely transformed. And my dad is a lot healthier, got his diabetes under control. My mom, her blood pressure under control has dropped so much weight. And now, you know, my brother, he's lost over 150 pounds. My, my, my sister dropped over 100 pounds. My other sister, over 100 pounds. Um, and it's transformed their life where they're happier, healthier, and constantly doing the work, constantly working out, constantly being present and making wise decisions and understanding that they're eating to have longevity and not just eating to eat. Yeah, it would seem to me you've really stopped at this generation. You know, your parents are heavy, your siblings, you, but now with your own kids, that's it yeah. sounds like that's not going to happen. You know what? And, and with my own kids, you know, it's, I think as a parent, you have to learn that, especially if you're dealing with um, your kids being overweight and if they're walking that journey after you and they're dealing with body issues, you really have to come from a place of love and understand that you can be a parent that inspires your kid, but you can't be a parent as soon as they get older. Like for, for instance, my daughter is 20 years old and she throughout her life has dealt with some of the body issues that I have dealt. She has her own journey to walk. And all I could do is inspire her, be there to talk to her about those body issues. And in the moment that she's ready, um, I can't force it upon her. I will not body shame her. All I could do is be a loving parent and say, these are the two paths that you can take. This one will lead you this one from my experience, and this will lead you this way. And all I could be there is, is be there for her, love her unconditionally, and always just give her, this is the outcome when you make a different decision. I'm here for you. And if one day she wants to get bariatric surgery, I'm all about her. I'm there to support her. And if she doesn't, and she doesn't, I'm there to support her and love her as well. I just tell my kids it's not about a size. Um, It's not about being thin. It's about being healthy, happy, and having a great lifestyle and having longevity and vitality. Those are the key words. I really, really push that upon them. Um, When it comes to that, you know, they hear that constantly and they see me do it. So our kids do as, as we do. They don't do as we tell them to do. They do as we do. Exactly. That's a great story. I mean, and first of all, I, I, we, we, we have a couple minutes left. So what I want you to do is to, we have one minute left, I guess. Uh, I've been talking to Rosie McCardo, and her new book is The Girl with the Self-Esteem Issues, a memoir. Great book. Inspiration for all of us. So give us some websites that we can go to to get more information about yes. you, about the book, and about what you're doing. Thank you. You can follow me on social media at Rosie Mercado, R-O-S-I-E-M-E-R-C-A-D-O. And of course, The Girl with Self-Esteem Issues. You can listen to my podcast. That's in English and Spanish, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, it's The Girl with Self-Esteem Issues. And you can find my book at rosiemercado.com on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, Premier Collectibles, wherever you find books, you can find my books there. And, you know, tag me, write to me directly on social media, send me an email. I'm always interested in connecting and paying it forward. And this really is an invitation to step into your greatness. Don't let your past determine your future. Take the shame out of talking about your story. There's healing when you connect. And, you know, it's about declaring who you are. I'm beautiful. I'm powerful. This is going to push me forward. I have everything that I need to accomplish my dreams. I hope this serves as an inspiration, as an invitation to step into your own greatness. Great. Rosie, thanks so much for being on this show today. Great talking to you. Good luck with the book. Thank you so much, Catherine. Thank you. God bless you. Bye. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. (laughs) 